0: For the love of goats, we are talking about everything goat. Whether you're a goat owner, a breeder, or just a fan of these wonderful creatures, we've got you covered. And now, here's Deborah Neiman.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. We are once again joined by Dr. Robert Van Son, professor of veterinary science and extension veterinarian at Penn State University. And we are tackling another nutrition topic. And today it is about urinary calculi, in simple terms, urinary stones uh, that can form in goats. And it's a lot more complicated than most people realize. So, welcome back, Dr. Van Son.
0: Thank you, Deborah. Glad to be back again.
1: So do you want to first just kind of talk a little bit about what exactly is urinary calculi or urinary stones or whatever?
0: Yeah, let's, this is a very complicated topic and one that we could certainly spend a lot of time discussing in, and certainly it's also extremely important health concern in our goat's. And goats aren't the only animals that are affected by this, even dogs and cats and and sheep and so on. One thing is it's predominantly a disease of males. So whether they're an intact male, a breeding buck, or a weather, those are the primary affected animals. The female generally doesn't get into the clinical signs of urinary calculi just because of the differences in anatomy of the urethra, which is the tube that channels urine from the urinary bladder on out to the exterior of the body. So let's go back and start. If we think about the urinary system, basically the kidneys are where Blood is filtered, and the things that the body doesn't want or has an excess gets filtered through the kidneys. And then there are tubes, just extensive tubular system within the kidneys that concentrate urine depending on how much water the animal is drinking. So that's a key thing to remember. You're going to hear me talk about water a couple times. And providing fresh water all the time is so essential to trying to prevent urinary calculi. So what happens is uh, mineral content that is in excess of what the body needs gets filtered by the kidneys. And then depending on the water intake, this may get concentrated. And then this all comes down to The urinary bladder, where urine is held until the animal goes through the process of expressing their bladder to take all of the urine out. Now, in humans, we can get what we call kidney stones. We can get these mineral concretions, as what they are, and they'll form in what's called the renal pelvis. This is where all the tubules come together in the kidney. And kidney stones are quite painful, but what we have typically in our goats is uh, bladder stones. All right, so they're not forming in the kidneys. What's happening is that uh, urine is sitting in the bladder. The saturated or the dissolved mineral becomes saturated and then it precipitates for some reason. We'll go into the different reasons and forms uh, calculus. And then what happens in the male because of the length of the urethra and the sigmoid flexure that takes place in the urethra, as well as what's called the vermiform appendage, that's that little worm-looking appendage at the very end of the penis of the male, those are the primary sites of blockage. And so what happens is depending on the severity of the blockage, it could be partially blocked. So the animal uh, struggles to urinate and can't have a, a good stream, or it could be completely blocked. And then the animal will be in, wanting to try and pee many times throughout the day, will vocalize quite a bit from the pain, and the bladder will just continue to enlarge. To the point where it could rupture, and then the animal may actually act normal for a short period of time, but then they end up succumbing to uremia, or you know, excess urine, the nitrogen compound urea in in the body. There, so that's why this is such a challenging issue. So, two important things: one is overfeeding a mineral that saturates and precipitate in urine. Two is the pH in which the calculus can form. Most of the calculi form in what we call alkaline urine, and most forage-feeding animals have alkaline urine because of the high potassium in their urine. And then we need what we call a nidus, something to allow the mineral, the saturated mineral to start to grow upon. This would be like, if anybody remembers, uh, I don't know if they still do this, but I remember back in my middle school years in science class, we would make a saturated solution and then you drop something into that solution and all of a sudden it crystallizes. And so what you drop in there is this nitus that allows the mineral to start to build itself around that. Now in our animals, that nidus could be sloughed cells. It could be bacteria from a bacterial infection. Uh, So those are some common issues.
1: It's really great that you started out by talking about the importance of them having enough water, because I know when I was new to goats, people said, you've got to make sure they always have clean water available. And to change your buckets twice a day, regardless, because I thought, oh, that's ridiculous. And I remember sometimes at night, you know, I would look in the stall when I'd let them into the barn and be like, oh, the bucket's three quarters full. I'm not going to dump that and refill it. And I come back in the morning and it was still three quarters full. Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't want to drink it. And whereas if I would have dumped it and refilled it, like, okay, so we're going to go from full down to three quarters. So If you feel like you're dumping a lot of what you think is clean water, you know, just get a smaller bucket. You know, we started with five gallon buckets when we only had a few goats. And then, you know, we switched to two gallon buckets, but they really do not like to drink dirty water. And if a goat poops in the water, that is it. Oh, that's done. (laughs) Nobody is going to drink that. And that's what we learned that the hard way when we were on milk test. The first time we did it, we only had three or four goats. And so there was one bucket of water in there. We came in in the morning to do milk tests and everybody's production was really low. There was poop in the bucket and it was still full. So like somebody had pooped in there first thing last night. So nobody drank any water overnight, you know, and as I always said to my girls when they were home and helping, it was like, these goats can't make milk out of air. <laughs> like,
0: That's right. That's right.
1: You got to have water. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, milk is about 87% water. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So this urinary calculi disease, there's many names in the feedlot cattle industry. It's called water belly. Um, you can see some edema and, and even crystals on the hairs of the prepuce of the males that are affected. Urolithiasis is the technical or scientific medical term for this, where we have the stones blocking. Now where this really gets complicated, so we've already highlighted one thing is water is an important issue here. We have to get animals to drink water. And you would think goats are pretty much, you know, they came from more tropical environments. So you would think that they were much better at water management. But As you just said, you know, with lactating animals and so on, they have a huge water requirement to meet that. Now, granted, lactating females are not going to have a problem. It's the males that are the issue. So how do we get animals to drink more water? Well, the few things that you said there in terms of keeping the water fresh, making sure nobody poops in it, or or there's, you know, dirty water or anything like that. The other, and this is a, a thing that many people have done is Salt. Salt drives water intake, so ensuring that they have salt available, even to the point of taking salt water and spraying it on hay, so that they get more salt directly. Now, the other important thing I said was the nidus. Something has to allow the supersaturated urine, uh, the mineral content in the urine, to start to precipitate and form the calculi. One of the big issues in our ruminant species is vitamin A deficiency. So vitamin A is necessary for skin health and skin development into the proper epithelial cell form for the given organ. So in the bladder, the epithelium is what we call transition epithelium. It's either a small square type cell or a tall uh, rectangular type cell. However, when they're vitamin A deficient, that epithelium turns into the same kind of epithelium that our skin is made out of. And our skin sloughs cells all the time. And so when you get little parts of what's called stratified squamous epithelium that can slough cells that then allow the crystals to form in the bladder. The other primary cause of anitis is just bacteria that may naturally be in the bladder or from, you know, infection in the bladder or infection of the urethra or something along those lines. So. Finally the bigger issue then is what kind of calculi what kind of crystals can form. And that's where urinary calculi gets very complex because there's a wide range of crystals. The most common crystal in our goats especially you know growing goats where you're feeding a fair amount of grain to to grow or during mating for the bucks is a crystal called struvite. Struvite is S-T-R-U-V-I-T-E. What struvite is, it's made up of three compounds. It's magnesium, nitrogen, as ammonia, and phosphorus. So where this becomes a problem is high phosphorus feedings relative to calcium. So this is where you hear all the time you should maintain at least a two to one calcium to phosphorus ratio in the diet of the uh, male goats to ensure that you're not going to have excess phosphorus being filtered by the kidneys and then supersaturated phosphorus in the urine that will precipitate out. Because you're always going to have some ammonia from urea and magnesium, because that's the only way the animal gets rid of magnesium. So it's the phosphorus that's really the key issue. Now, struvite forms only in alkaline urine. So high potassium diets will uh, result in alkalizing the urine. So that's something that we want to watch. So we often associate struvite with grain feeding because corn and most of our cereal grains are is very low in calcium, but very high in phosphorus. Usually there's some kind of buffer put in because we don't want acidosis. And so that buffer actually, you know, causes alkalization of the urine too. So this is why it turns out, fortunately, that struvite is easily uh, solubilized in acidic conditions. And so this is the the rationale for why in almost all grain mixes that you buy for sheep and goats, it has ammonium chloride in it. Ammonium chloride, the chloride, actually causes an acidification of the urine. And we do the same thing in cats in terms of male cats and trying to, to prevent blocked male cats. Now, that's the simple one. The next big issue in terms of calculi are calcium stones, and these are usually associated with high alfalfa feeding. And I think a lot depends on the breed of goat. The Nigerian dwarf goats seem to be much more prone to calcium problems than to the struvite, but that's not exclusive. Calcium stones can be calcium phosphate, calcium oxalate, calcium carbonate stones, And again, it's just overfeeding calcium. Now, alkaline urine generally is a pause for the precipitation. However, unlike struvite, acidic conditions will not prevent or break down the calcium stones. Those calcium stones uh, don't dissolve very well. So that's the problem. And this gets into another whole quagmire of forages, because like some forages some weeds that if your goats are grazing and you know in a pasture and you have various weeds, there are some plants that have high soluble oxalates. And so if they eat these plants like pigweed and and some others, lambs quarter, they could get enough oxalates that if they're eating a you know high calcium diet with some alfalfa, they could actually cause some calcium oxalate stones. There's also another common stone that we see in ruminants is silica stones. And we're fortunate here, east of the Mississippi, our grasses do not contain very high silica content, but most of the Western grasses do. And so When I was out in Oregon, we saw a lot more silica stones than struvite. We see a lot more struvite and calcium stones here in the East.
1: Wow, that's fascinating. So you mentioned about having ammonium chloride in the grains to prevent the struvite stones. One of the things that I've seen sometimes is people talking about giving goats ammonium chloride a drench if they have stones. And I've always really wondered, I'm like, okay, hold it. If you know they have stones, that means they're already causing problems. So can ammonium chloride act that fast to dissolve a stone that's actually blocking a goat?
0: If the situation is such where the blockage is only a minor partial blockage, so that the goat isn't you know, distraught in trying to, you know, have what we call dysuria, difficult urinations or bleeding or anything like that. The drenching of ammonium chloride, ammonium chloride is not very palatable. Uh, so that's one of the challenges we have. But the drenching of ammonium chloride will actually change the pH in that urine uh, within about 48 hours. And so as long as he's the, the goat is still passing some urine, you could potentially start to dissolve some of those druvite crystals because they are extremely sensitive to the pH. There is a, a solution called Waldpole, W-A-L-D-P-O-L-E, which is sort of a diluted acidic solution. And if an animal is totally blocked, veterinarians may take that and actually put in a catheter through the abdomen and flush that into the bladder and that will help dissolve the stones right there. And then they'll, they'll keep a balloon catheter there that comes out of the abdomen, but in the bladder and flush that until they can get things uh, straightened out.
1: Okay. Before we talk more about treatments, are there any other types of stones that you wanted to discuss?
0: Uh, Those are really the big ones in terms of ruminant species. In our uh, non-ruminant species, you know, our dogs and cats, you know, we have urate crystals and cysteine crystals and and others. But more often than not, I would say 98% of the crystals in our goats are either going to be the calcium carbonate, calcium oxalate, calcium phosphate or struvite, or a blend. Sometimes you can get a blend, a mixture.
1: Okay. So in terms of preventing this, I feels like everybody on Facebook is like, oh, all you have to do is, if you're feeding them grain, you just have to give them alfalfa too to balance the phosphorus, and they won't get stones. And And it's just, it's so much more complicated than that, right? <laughs> Obviously, like everything you've told us already, there's different kinds of stones.
0: Right. So, you know, if they feed alfalfa, you know, that could help with the calcium, but depending on the type of alfalfa and what the oxalate concentration is, or or even the calcium concentration, that could have some impact. Alfalfa is also going to be very high in potassium, so that can add to the alkalization. You know, so it's it's this combination. So really, to me, the key things, we want to maintain a higher salt, intake on our animals. So usually in diets of animals that are at high risk, we'll increase the salt content much higher than what we normally would. Always have fresh water as we've highlighted. Make sure the vitamin A in the diet is appropriate. And then balance our calcium and phosphorus so that they're not below two to one but also not much higher than about two and a half to three to one. And then if we can try and control the potassium or alkalizing effects of what's in the diet. I mean, those are the main points that we go through in trying to minimize urinary calculi in our goats.
1: Okay. It's funny because just like a couple of days ago, somebody was thinking of switching goat feeds and she noticed the goat feed she was thinking of switching to had a higher salt content. And she asked me if that was a problem. And it was a very popular goat feed, which I know tons of people have sold. And I'm like, it's a great goat feed. I wouldn't worry that the salt content is higher. In minerals, I know I, most minerals are, are have lots of salt in them, like at least 15% or so. I always kind of felt like once the mineral goes beyond 30 or 40%, it's more salt than minerals. But it sounds like we shouldn't really be worried about them getting too much salt for any reason other than how it's going to drive their mineral consumption. Like if they get too right. much salt from other sources, they may not eat enough of their mixed minerals.
0: Right. And, that, and that's an important point. So as we probably discussed in previous discussions here, if we're trying to formulate a trace mineral program for our goats and we're using a salt-based free choice mineral, if we have other salt sources out there, then, you know, the goat is only going to eat the salt. It doesn't know that it needs to eat the salt that has the trace minerals in it. And so that's where we can get into problems. If you do some of the things that we've already discussed today, like adding kind of a salt water spray onto your forage to ensure that They're getting enough salt to drive the water intake. Yeah, probably what's going to happen is they're going to back off on any salt-based mineral product. And so, you know, everything sort of has its consequences.
1: And then one thing a lot of people mistake is that they see a goat that's like arching its back and they think it's constipated. And this was one of the things I learned very early on. Like one of the very first things I remember seeing in the Yahoo group is a woman's goat died from a urinary stone because she saw him arching his back and thought, oh, he's trying to poop. And in reality, he he had a bladder stone. And so other than that, are there any other symptoms that people would know that their goat has a problem with this?
0: Well, again, we might see some crystals on the hairs of the prepuce of the goat. You would want to see if that goat is attempting to urinate multiple times and if he vocalizes during the urination. Certainly, the arching of the back, that's one of the issues as they try and strain to urinate. So you you need to be very careful misinterpreting that as just constipation, you should be able to see the goat passing the fecal pellets. And if that's the case and they're arching their back, then more likely than not, if it's a male, it's it's going to be urinary calculi problems.
1: Yeah. Because I think we think of bucks stretching out to pee, which is where you can get a lot of really great photos of your bucks. <laughs> but a lot of them also will arch their back when they're trying to urinate directionally. And in- Yeah especially in yep. the fall. <laughs> so I when I when somebody first told me that bucks pee on their face, I had a really hard time imagining that until I saw it. And it's like, yes, they do that by arching their back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so another thing to think about is even though we know kind of the underlying issues with urinary calculi in the male and why we just continue to have these is even though we understand the principles, being able to apply these appropriately is a little more of a challenge. So for example, I don't want to delve into this too deep, but the addition of ammonium chloride in the diets of goats to try and help with calculi is using the same principle of what we call dietary cation-anion difference, which is what we use in dairy cows to prevent milk fever. And so what we do is we have a balance between the cations, which is sodium and potassium, versus the anions. The anions are chloride and sulfur. So the cations have a positive charge. The anions have a negative charge. When the negative charges predominate, you cause acidification. When the positive charges predominate, you cause alkalization. So this is why we wanna try and reduce the potassium load. Now, when we add sodium chloride, we're adding both positive and negative charge, so that's neutral. But if we added bicarb for acidosis, then we would cause alkalization because we're adding a lot of sodium without a uh, chloride. Now, the problem is, is in dairy cows, we calculate the decad to make it come up negative, and that's how we get the effect. In goats, nobody does that. Nobody accounts for the total diet. We just are set in putting a half percent of ammonium chloride in our grain. And when I've done the calculations on many diets, totally lacking. Any function because it's not enough to counter the the positive charges in that diet, and if we add more ammonium chloride, it's not very palatable. So then the goat owners complain that the goats aren't eating it. So something that we're looking into now is there are many acidifying products in the dairy cattle world. There's a thing like soy chlor. Biochlor, Animate, these are all protein sources that are treated with uh, hydrochloric acid. And they are very, very efficient in inducing the acidosis state and causing urinary acidosis or low urine pH. And so, there are some people out there that are actually using these dairy cow products rather than the traditional sort of uh, ammonium chloride. You know, ammonium chloride is kind of worked into the realm of sheep and goat nutrition as an absolute. You know, but now that we've done all the work on the dairy cattle side, we could actually use the same principles and formulate diets that are going to actually cause the appropriate changes in urinary pH?
1: One of the questions that I get a lot of times from people is about how much grain or how long can you feed grain before you have to worry? Because I think a lot of people know that they should not feed their bucks grain because of the risk of of this. But during breeding season, they can start to lose weight. Or if they have a heavy parasite load, you want to give them some extra protein so they can rebuild that muscle. So you know, like, is this something for people to worry about if they are only going to be giving their buck grain for a month or two? Or do you really just see stone formation after many months of feeding grain?
0: Well, you can actually see stone formation fairly quickly within a couple of weeks, if they're on an inappropriate diet. So it's just important then, if they are going to feed grain, I, you know, I don't want people to be worried about the Feeding grain, right? Feeding grain is appropriate. You know, all the reasons that you just gave in terms of providing extra energy and or protein for those animals to keep them healthy and and working hard. It's just that we have to remember that, you know, the grain's got to have some calcium carbonate in it. You know, it's got to have some limestone of some sort in with the grain. And and most of the commercial grains do have that. Where we get into trouble And I'm a little worried about this as I've looked at many products recently, is because of costs. And and of course, our our feed costs are going to just go astronomical this year with the droughts that are going on and everything else. So, a lot of the feed mills are going to be probably using alternative byproduct feeds in their commercial products. And a lot of these byproduct feeds, like distillers' grains, Wheat bran, soy hulls, and so on are very high in phosphorus. And so what I'm seeing is even though they add calcium, the phosphorus is way higher than what the requirement is. So even though the calcium and phosphorus is in balance, right, the two to one, the fact that we're way overfeeding phosphorus can result in... Calculi. And I have a sheep farm uh, in Pennsylvania that that's exactly what was happening to them. And we had to go back to the feed mill and back off. They had the phosphorus up in the range of, oh my gosh, it was like 0.85. And this was a, a complete pellet where they weren't feeding any grain. And even though they had a 2 to 1 ratio calcium to phosphorus that was just way too much phosphorus and and all their young male uh, lambs were getting urinary calculi and many of them died
1: wow that's incredible i'm so glad you mentioned that cuz i have never heard anybody say that like you know it's just all about like oh as long as you've got the calcium and phosphorus balanced you're good but like no you you can feed too much
0: you know it, it goes back again to The original work done in trying to correct milk fever in dairy cows, where they focused on the calcium phosphorus ratio in the 1940s and 1950s. And what we found out is if we just add more phosphorus or, you know, manipulate it that way and we we overfeed the amounts, we still cause the problem. And so that's where nutrition gets a little more challenging in that yes ratios are important but really the critical important point is how much over the requirement are they getting
1: yeah wow this is such a fascinating conversation today so if somebody winds up with a buck that obviously has a problem like he's straining to urinate if there's drops coming out, like maybe somebody could try to treat with something like ammonium chloride. Although you don't know that it's struvite stones, and if it's calcium, that's sodium, right, that's not going to help. So, so really, if if somebody's got a, a buck that's having trouble urinating, well, a doe too, but because <laughs> they can have other reasons for having trouble urinating. Right. If a goat is having trouble urinating, like you really should take them to the vet and find out what's going on.
0: Yeah, this is one of those diseases that, you know, you don't want to try the apple cider vinegar or, you know, the cranberry juice and all of those uh, kind of homeopathic type approaches because this is a critical disease. This will get serious in a very rapid way, and then you're either going to have to invest a tremendous amount of money into surgeries and things like that or you're going to lose the animal so so this is one of those emergency situations that really need need to have veterinary input
1: yeah and and like I started to correct myself after I said a buck having trouble because I actually had a doe once who had trouble urinating she would squat and scream and just drops would come out and I'd took her to the vet right away. And um, it was because her uterus had completely filled up with fluid and was putting so much pressure against her bladder that she couldn't pee. So yeah.
0: Now those can pass fairly large stones. Matter of fact, I did not see this, but I've heard of this and, and I think I'm trying to remember if I saw a picture of it, but somebody actually had a, a mare, female horse past the stone a size of a hard ball.
1: Oh wow! Yeah,
0: yeah. The female urethra can expand quite a bit, but the other problem is other components of the female anatomy can cause problems, like the uterus, or you can have, you know, some kind of trauma in the vaginal vault that can affect the urethra, and and you can have some other issues there, or you can have you know, entrapment of the bladder or, or things like that. But males seem to take the cake when it comes to crystals forming and blocking their extended urethra.
1: Well, is there anything else that people need to know about urinary calculi before we wrap up today?
0: Well, again, can't emphasize enough that it is an emergency type thing, just like a blocked male cat. You know, I mean, those are emergencies that have to come in and and see the vet. And they can use a needle to take a sample of urine from the bladder, the distended bladder. They can empty the bladder so that the animal's more comfortable. But we can put that urine under the microscope and look at crystals. and, And we can tell from the crystal shapes what kind of uh, stones we might be dealing with, and then that can help direct uh, how we would go ahead about treating the animal. But again, just to, to kind of reiterate the main things is you know with struvite, if we focus on struvite, we want to make sure we we provide sufficient salt or a higher salt in the diet, lots of clean fresh water, make sure vitamin A is appropriately supplemented. And, and watch our diets, not only for calcium phosphorus ratio, but the total amount of phosphorus that's in the diet.
1: This has been so fascinating today. I know I will be listening to this episode more than a couple times because it's so much great information here. Thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. And that's it for today's show. If you haven't already done so, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes. To see show notes, you can always visit ForTheLoveOfGoats.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. See you again next time. Bye for now.